Hi, this is Pastor Rob, and this is Speak Life. Thank you for joining us today. This is a podcast dedicated to getting to know the people of Our Savior's Palm Springs and specifically understanding their life story. I pray that these sessions together and these episodes that we share would bring us together closer as the body of Christ, especially during this time of stay-at-home orders where we can't meet together. So please take the time over these next few weeks to listen to these podcasts and these individual stories so that we can get to know each other a little bit better. Take care, God bless, and let's begin with our next episode. Well, hi, this is another uh, podcast for Speak Life with Pastor Rob, and I have Larry Davis here. He is an elder at our church, or has been an elder at our church for many years, and now he's a member of our executive management board. Larry, thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Rob. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and I know this is something we've talked about doing for a few weeks now, but it's great that we were able to get this done. So, um, Larry, why don't you just start by giving us a little background on where you grew up and sort of where you were born and those kind of things. Okay, well, I was born in the city of Orange, California, um, in uh, well, in early fifties, uh, and there was no hospital in Huntington Beach where I was. My family was actually living, and we lived out in um, in a oil swamp area of Huntington Beach. There was a lot of oil wells there in those days, and we lived at kind of the poor side of the tracks. Literally, we were across the rain, uh, railroad tracks, and we were in an asphalt shingled house that was the exterior next to a chicken ranch that they raised chickens. And uh, those were my first memories. And um, we eventually moved to a very nice house in Huntington Beach, uh, about the third, fourth grade, um, a block from the beach. We, we, there were five of us children. We could walk to the beach. Uh, then my parents got a divorce and we moved to Riverside uh, from Huntington Beach and uh, excuse the expression, but we thought we had died and gone to hell because we'd gone from the <laughs> beach city <laughs> to Riverside yeah. and it was quite a change. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was, especially being so close to the beach. It was great to be able to walk there. You'd love to be, have that property right now, I bet. But I was by there. It's still there. It's about a 1,200 foot, 1,200 square foot house. My parents bought it in in fifties or mid fifties for six thousand dollars, and the house is worth a million and a half now. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so that, change. So, have you been in California all your life, then, Larry? I was born in California, and they used to have nicknames for people born in California. Do you know what that is? If you're uh, born in California, you're a prune picker. Pr- and, where'd that and, come from? I have no idea from the early agricultural days, because I know my brothers, sisters were born in Arizona and they were cactus jumpers, which makes a little sense of Arizona. But and and so anyway, we I remember being called a prune picker and I never picked a prune in my life. But uh, (laughs) yeah, born and raised in Southern California in Huntington Beach and Riverside, actually. Wow. So when did you get out here to the I mean, you've you've been a lot of different places. I know you're involved in the mortuary business. Um, share a little bit about your experience there and how you got out to the desert. Well, I started, um, I was a political science major in college. I was going to be in politics and run for president and take care of things better than we're doing today, maybe. But uh, <laughs> and that's not a political judgment. It's just yeah. really kidding. But uh, I uh, I really had an interest in politics. And then I went to a, 
I invited a, a guy to our um, men's men's um, steak night at the Wesley Methodist Church in Riverside, and I was supposed to get a speaker, and I had a friend from the funeral business because I had worked in the florist business in high school, mm. and so I invited Wes out, and he spoke to the men, and then we went, took him back to his house. We talked till two in the morning about the funeral business, and he said they have an opening for an apprentice and bomber, and I had no idea what that was all about. But uh, a few weeks later, I applied, and that's uh, 48 years ago. Uh, I became an apprentice and bomber. We lived at the Draper Mortuary in Ontario for the first three years of my uh, work in this profession. Uh, Doug was born while we lived there. On his birth certificate, it says residence of birth, Draper Mortuary. So, <laughs> yeah, Wow, that's awesome. But... Uh, so I started in the in the funeral profession as an apprentice embalmer, and then became, as, as time went on, I, I was the youngest person that Draper Mortuary allowed to meet with families and make arrangements with them, and and then I became the general manager of Bellevue Cemetery, which was right next door to uh, Draper Mortuary, and then uh, in '89. I was offered the job to start to build and develop the cemetery at the Crystal Cathedral for Dr. Robert Schuler. And I went there for 12 years, built the cemetery the, on the complex and had a very, very interesting career working with uh, Dr. Schuler and the Crystal Cathedral Ministries. And, and uh, then we parted ways because of their budget issues and they later went bankrupt. But um, then I did a little bit of consulting, then came to work with Forest Lawn uh, 15 years ago. Actually, this month, next month is 16 years. Wow. And I became the, uh, the director, the, excuse me, vice president that opened up our Cathedral City and Coachella Valley locations. So that's kind of a quick history. Yeah. So let's go back to the Cathedral City because that had to be some interesting time working with Schuler there. Yeah, uh, Crystal Cathedral was very interesting. Um, I, I met with him as a kind of a consultant because they were looking to build a cemetery and um, he and I, he and I hit it off right away. Uh, we had a very good personal relationship. He gave me a cell phone right away and said, you know, they, they wanted to hire me. And, and I said, no, thanks. I'm very happy with what I was doing and living in uh, uh, Upland and working in Ontario. And, and we just didn't have any interest in moving and they kept pursuing and, um, you know, to, to pioneers, we call it a brand new cemetery and to work with that well-known ministry was, um, was something that, interest us we prayed and and uh, I felt God leading us to do that I'm not sure Linda was as excited at that move as I was but um, she actually became the uh, executive secretary for the women's ministry department which was a huge uh, outreach for women um, and and she worked there for uh, about eight years I think um, oh. but we moved down to Orange County and and I not only developed and built a cemetery, I bought houses in the neighborhood. We lived in one of the neighborhood houses and I bought 30 houses wow. to enlarge the ministry property, which was again, very interesting. I paid 150,000 for one house and the last house that we needed desperately, I paid $1 million for yeah, to it was tear it last, down. Because it was the last <laughs> house you needed. It was, it was, yeah. And they were church <laughs> members, by the way, they, no, no discount for the member. Wow. So now you mentioned Linda. Um, how did you guys meet and how long have you been married? 
Well, Linda and I met in high school, um, and believe it or not, most of you know Linda, I think she's pretty quiet, and you'd probably think I'm the more aggressive of the two of us, but we were friends in high school, and, and um, I was a class president and pretty well known, and, and Linda was a little more quiet, and she was uh, very studious. Uh, she graduated number four in a class of 565. Wow. Uh, I was probably 564 or something. No, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, anyway, we met in high school and her mother was an Avon lady. And one day she got a soap on a rope light bulb, which is an odd thing, but her mom got it through Avon. And she hung it in my locker when I wasn't looking. We were standing there talking and she hung this this light bulb. And she said, you light up my life, which was a very popular song in those days. And that's how we, we knew each other. But then we started dating. And um, uh, when we were on our on date uh, after graduating from high school at Christmas time, we were out on a date and um, she had a, her first uh, AVM, arteriovascular malformation bleed at 18. And uh, we thought she was going to die at that time. And I think because of that and because of lots of different things, um, and I was going into the funeral business. Um, we had an apartment and a mortuary. Anyway, we got married very young at, at uh, 19. And um, we have one son, Doug, who was born at um, uh, three years after we were married. And uh, that was very special because we weren't supposed to have children because of this. Her AVM is, a, uh, as I've told you, blood vessels that are a malformation. It's a birth defect. And Hers are inoperable. Some people's are not, but she went 37 years with no bleeds. And um, unfortunately, in 2008, had a bleed, which wasn't too bad. And then she had another one in 2010. And then she had two in, 2000, in August of 2016 and, and uh, October 2016. And then she's had one in 2018. So she's had six major bleeds in her brain and as as most of the church members know she's she's pretty physically de debilitated her mind's great uh, but she has a lot of physical like someone would have a stroke so we've lived with this um, for and we've been married uh, we just had in january our 49th anniversary so wow. god willing we'll have our 50th in january yeah, that's that's amazing. So, and and the amazing thing about Linda is just the prayer warrior she is for the church. I know yes. she she spends so much time in prayer for us and for me and for the church and for all kinds of people. And and it's uh, just a, such a blessing to know that she's doing that. And for you to be the model you are of caring for her is tremendous. Um, I know that this has been a different time for you guys too because of COVID. You've been working at home um, all of this time. Um, and how has that been a great blessing for you, or how has it about worked? It's, it's certainly been a blessing in the fact that I'm home and, and we still have caregivers that come in the morning and the afternoon. And then from about noon to 3.30, it's, it's just Linda and I. And um, um, it's given us more time together. It's, I've been now 17 weeks at home and I'm confused at what home and work looks like because exactly. I'm home and and I get calls at uh, I get calls every weekend, all throughout the weekend, and I even get them in the evening. And so, um, and, and then when you think, well, I'll go away from home to get a break. Well, where do you go? And right. with Linda's condition, you know, I could get help to stay while I would go away, but there's no place I think is very safe to go to right now. Yeah, 
And we've yeah. been, uh, the one thing I'll share, and I think I've shared with you, but we've been, since the day actually I came home um, 17 weeks ago and started working at home that night when we, we pray together in the morning, but really at night we have a kind of an extended prayer time. We pray for you and church members and family members. And we started praying Psalms 91 and talks about uh, the angels' wings protecting us and keeping evil and, and deadly disease from our house. And I'll tell you, Pastor Rob, it's, it seems to me to be working. One, we've, we both had to be tested for COVID because she had to have her feeding tube replaced. And that's another thing. She's been on a feeding tube for three years, hasn't been able to eat by yeah. mouth. Oh. And, um, but anyway, we pray that every night. We did last night. And then we pray for specific things and people. But and we have this angel that we had for Christmas, a big, huge wooden angel that um, the sister designed about 30 years ago. We hang out front, of, but we put it out in a kind of a garden area that we can see from our front window. And it just reminds us every day that, that there are angels, and I believe that, that are protecting us. And Definitely. Psalms 91 is, is such a good reminder of that. Yeah, that's what an awesome thing to do. And that's something probably all of us can take away is maybe us trying to pray Psalm 91 as well, um, because I think that is such a great psalm to pray and for us to continue to to read through. So thank you for that reminder, Larry. Um, in terms of you and your role at uh, Forest Lawn, um, it has to be, I think, interesting to some people on on what is life like for a mortuary right now during this COVID time. Um, it's a little difficult. Um, it's a lot yeah. difficult. Yeah. Actually, I got choked up when you asked me, which well, sure. surprised me actually. But um, it's it's very difficult. One because we can't go hug our families and and treat them the way we want to. It's all done by phone. We've been very limited in the type of services we can have by the county issuing orders. For a while, we could only have five people in a in a chapel for a service, and we had to, we've been stream spotting or putting them on the internet. Right now, we're up to we can have we're just like a church in the number of people, so we can have twenty five percent of the occupancy of our chapel, not to exceed one hundred. You all have to wear masks, and you all have to be the social distancing. So we've started having more chapel services and visitations. But everybody, you know, we have to make sure they're wearing masks. We have to make sure they're socially distanced. Um, it has really changed a lot of the ways we do what we do. Now, the the concern is not uh, that the decedent will give us any kind of virus because we've always, all the years on the 48 years I've been in our profession, we practice universal precautions, which means any decedent, we don't know what people die of, generally speaking. And even we get COVID cases that we don't know their COVID when they come in. So we treat everyone with universal precautions. And our PPEs that we wear and masks and gloves are, are very high end, like even more so than a hospital. And quite frankly, I've never known anyone to get any disease, AIDS or, or SARS, the other type of flus or COVID from a deceased. So that's not our worry. The worry is that the family who's been with the decedent, you know, caring for them, are they, have they contracted it? And we have to require uh, either a, a negative test or they have to wait 14 days before they can actually come in our building and, and have a viewing if they've had um, 
if the person or if they've been exposed to someone that had COVID. Um, and it just makes everybody very nervous. You know, it's, we've had uh, concerns, you know, keeping our employees safe and keeping each other safe and, uh, and our, on, our, on the public. And we have signs and we, we hand out masks. We've, we've done a lot to try to keep it uh, in check. So, but it's very different times. Yeah, it's it's um, so difficult. I know just uh, I can only imagine what you're going through, but I've been through a couple services for for people who have passed away. And and during this time, it is so hard to not care for them the way that we're used to. Like you said, not being able to hug them, not being able to really get close to them. It's such a hard time to sort of care and comfort them because you can't do the things we've always done. And, and I can just imagine what that's like on a day in, day out basis for you guys doing that. And uh, it has to be very hard. Well, and, and making funeral arrangements over the phone, even with Zoom and even with with uh, being able to show people things online, caskets and urns and different things. The length of time for a typical appointment to make funeral arrangements is about two hours. But with doing it all online and then you have to email stuff, you have to get it back. You, yeah. It's taking four and five hours. It takes a whole day sometimes. And and we're, we have been... Um, been busy with services, not just because of the COVID, but because um, we, we, we've had a, a large service schedule. And then scheduling services because we have to clean the rooms, have to clean the chapel, clean the, you know, the funeral coaches, the hearse, we have to make sure our staff is safe. And then the different cemeteries, they have different rules, like the Palm Springs District Cemetery, great, great people. They have, um, because of the upswing we've been having, they went from having, uh, I think, 50 people to the graveside. Now they're back to 10. Yeah. And so only 10 people can come into the cemetery and be out of their cars. And another 10 can be in their cars. And then uh, Coachella Valley Cemetery, they're allowing 100. And then sometimes you get people that come with more than that. And then you have to try to get that solved (laughs) it's so difficult it is i just can't even imagine going through that on a daily basis but thank god for you guys and what you do forest lawn you guys have always been great and you've always in in every dealing i've had with you guys uh you've always been professional and been um i would say the best funeral home that i've dealt with thank you that's awesome well they're all all in town are very good i've had friendships with many many people in our profession and you know when you talk about first responders you hear about the firemen, certainly, and the policemen, the paramedics, and and only one time, one of the guys from Shark Tank, the guy that owns the basketball team. Yeah, um, Cuban. Yeah. yeah. He actually, in a statement, said not only are the, uh, the police firemen, he mentioned funeral directors, funeral, because we're really on the front line, too. We're going uh-huh. into the hospitals. We're going into the places where COVID is and we're bringing people out. We're again, handling the remains, which we do very professionally and very carefully, but our staff is out there with people all the time and we have to be very protected. So I really believe we're part of the first responders or maybe in some ways we're the last responders. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think you're exactly right. And and the fact that um, you got, that's one business that doesn't stop right? No. It's the one that continues. And unfortunately, when we have 
the situation we have right now in our world. Um, it's something that is very important to our society, but it's also something that, that does not stop. Uh, other businesses can stop, but you guys can't. And you are first responders. And we, we thank you guys for that. So. Well, and the families, you can only imagine how, how difficult. And I've, I've lost three of my siblings. I've buried three of my brothers and sisters and my parents. And, and so I know from a personal standpoint how it is to have loss. And Linda's in, in a very difficult situation. But when you add, I, you know, I haven't lost anyone during the COVID time. But when you add that and yeah. all the restrictions we have, People get angry anyway, and a lot of people get angry with us, and we understand that because we're we represent the death and, and trying to help them with it. But I'll tell you, with this COVID uh, issue, people's emotions are even more on on edge and heightened, and so it, it's been real difficult. Yeah, but we're well, we deal with good people, and we have good people dealing with them. So yeah, and anger is part of the grief process. We know, and people go through. Yeah. And then you throw, like you said, throw in the COVID problems and the restrictions, and that really can send people over. I get, I, I can see that, right. and it's it's so hard. I think to to help people grieve through this process because they can't do it the way they normally would. And I, I and I think in a lot of ways I've seen it that it's extending grief because people aren't able to do what they need to do um, that we've done all these years and for you know all this time that they can't do it now and suddenly grief takes a lot longer to get through and it's harder to get through because of what's happening with COVID. And we're holding some remains um, for transfer out of the country that the countries aren't accepting any deceased human remains. And we have a couple of families that have said, we're going to hold until we can have a traditional funeral. And we've had people holding for two months and we have, you know, certainly ways of keeping everything well for that. But then now we're having families say it's, it's just gone too long. We're going to go ahead and have the, yeah. the burial or the cremation, and then we'll do a memorial service later. But, um, you know, when you, uh, we had a family the other week that we talked to and, and we said, when we are down to 10 people and they said, we have 15 children, we have, you know, 30 something grandchildren and, 80 great-grandchildren you know who do we get to pick right and and we end up doing a stream spot and, and we accommodate them by bringing them in in groups to see the person but it's it's a challenging time yeah it is well i mean I, i'll just i continue to pray for you larry and pray for the people at forest lawn and and i know it's such a difficult time um it is a difficult time for so much of what you're going through with with linda as well and I just ask for our saviors and the people of our saviors to continue to pray for you, for, for Linda, but also all the first responders, as you said, and include you guys in that also. So. Well, thank you. We get, we've had a very, very wonderful response from our church family and our saviors. What before the COVID, we had many of the women were coming and spending the early, the midday with Linda and just, Yes. She might be sleeping, but they'd read to her. They would just visit with her. And we've, we've had several of them say, when can we come back? And we're just kind of in lockdown until we get more uh, knowledge of this whole COVID thing. Yeah, I think you're being very smart and wise in that. And hopefully soon we can get back to where some of these normal normal details that we like to deal with um, and the normalcy of life. And it'll be a new normal, but it'll be normal. We'll come back and hopefully that'll happen. Mm -hmm. So. Well, Larry, thank you for spending some time with us today. I appreciate everything that you've said and all that you do for our saviors as well. 
And um, uh, it's happy to know that uh, you guys are doing well as we visited just the other day. But also, I, I know you've got a new dog in Mochi. And that's yeah, awesome, a new awesome pug. Gift as well. And to have a new pug is a great thing during this time. And hopefully you guys enjoy that as well. Okay. And Rob, thank you for all that you do and the leadership and your, your messages have been spot on. So thank you very much. Well, praise God. Thank you, Larry. Take care. Okay. okay. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Speak Life. These are recordings, once again, of people of Our Savior's Palm Springs. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service, where you can get to know all of these members and additional members who are just tremendous people of Palm Springs. So please come and join us. God bless.